Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. My belief is that every family is dysfunctional because we all have sin. So think of the strongest Christian family you know. They've still got lots of dysfunction going on because we all still sin. Well, if you think your family is dysfunctional, you ain't seen nothing yet. On this program, I'm going to tell you the story of King David's dysfunctional family. David had 18 wives and 10 concubines, so basically 28 wives. Boy, was this a messed up family. And what I want to do is tell you the story of David's dysfunctional family and then draw six lessons for our lives from his life. So let's, let's pray before we begin. Father, we want to pray for anyone that is hurting right now because of a marriage that has gone south or a daughter or a son who's in trouble. Just, Lord, we would pray that you would teach us now by your Holy Spirit how to handle our dysfunctional families. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the story of King David. David has all these wives, but he wants another one. So he takes beautiful Bathsheba, has sex with her, gets her pregnant. Her husband, she's married, uh, he kills your, uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to cover up his crime. And the prophet Nathan shows up and puts his finger in David's face and said, because you have done this thing, the sword will never depart from your family. So what happens next? Well, one of David's sons, Amnon, rapes his sister, Tamar, and David doesn't do anything about it. So later, another son of, of David, Absalom, kills Amnon. And then later, that same son, Absalom, leans an army to overthrow and kill his own father. It doesn't work, but he tries. And then David's commander kills Absalom, David's son, that tried to overthrow him. And then later, a different son, Adonijah, tries to overthrow dad's kingdom. And then later, the son who would finally, Solomon, take the throne, kills the brother that rebelled against dad. So what you have in David's family Incest, rape, murder, treason, murder, treason, and murder. <laughs> that is the story of David's dysfunctional family. Now let me share with you six lessons from his life for our life. Lesson number one. Even the godly have family problems. You might think, well, David wasn't a godly man. You know he was? He's the only one in the Bible of whom it, have, of whom it is said, he was a man after God's own heart. And the Scottish writer, famous writer, Carlyle, wrote these words about King David. The unbelievers sneer and ask, is this your man according to God's own heart? The sneer, I must say, seems to me but a shallow one. 
What are the faults? What are the outward details of a life if the inner secret of it, the remorse, the temptations, the often baffled but never ended struggle be forgotten? David's life and history as written for us in his Psalms, I consider to be the truest emblem ever given us of a man's moral progress and warfare here below. All earnest souls will ever discern in it the faithful struggle of an earnest human soul towards what is good and best. Struggle often baffled, sore baffled, driven in into entire wreck, yet a struggle never ended, ever with tears, repentance, and purpose. So David, struggles and all, was a godly man, and he had messed up kids. Here's a, an elderly man that was rather guilt-ridden talking to me about his messed up children. And I said three things to him. First, I said, David had a messed up family. So maybe you didn't do anything wrong. Number two, the story isn't over yet. You don't ultimately know how your kids are going to turn out. And then I said, number three, if you did blow it, ask God's forgiveness, their forgiveness, and you need every parent, the strongest Christian parent, blows it, but forgive yourself and move on. First lesson is every parent, even godly parents, can have dysfunctional kids. Second lesson I learned from King David, deal with family sin early. If David would have dealt with the rape of his daughter, Tamar, maybe two of his sons wouldn't have died. Parents, deal with your children early. You know, parents, talk to your kids about sex, booze, drugs. I mean, my mom died some years ago, but before she died, I thanked her. And I said, you know, Mom, I'll ask my friends, did either your mom or your dad talk to you about sex growing up? Nine out of ten say they never said one word. I said, thank you, Mom, because when I was 12, you told me to wait till I'm married to have sex. And then when I was 14, I remember you did it again. Tommy, sex is a beautiful thing, but wait till you're married to have sex. And I thanked her for that. Do you talk to your kids about these things? You have to, because if they don't get it from you, they'll get it from MTV. Even the godly have family problems. Second lesson, deal with family sin early. Third lesson, do you have family devotions? Do you have a time where you sit down and you pray with your kids, you read the Bible to the kids? I don't know if David did that. You know, maybe that was part of his family's downfall. Maybe David never had devotions with his kids. The best guarantee for you to head off sin in your child's life is to have daily devotions with them. I, I will tell you, I I've shown you this before. I found this at a garage sale. This is Ingemeyer's Bible story book. Mom read this book to us kids when we were little, she'd tell these Bible stories. I love the pictures, and, and I had to buy this for a quarter just for old time's sake. But parents, do you do that? Do you, do you talk to your kids about God? Do you read them Bible stories? Do you pray with them? And, and, and let me say this. Mom did that in our family. It should have been Dad. Dad is the spiritual head of the family. I have a brother that, to my knowledge, never goes to church, and I wonder... Would my brother be in church today if dad had been leading family devotions? But if dad won't do it, then mom, you step in. <laughs> I read this recently. This is from Adelaide Blanton. When I was a child, we had a five-minute rule in our house. 
What it meant was we were all to be ready for school five minutes before we left the house. We were a large family, and that extra five minutes was prayer time for mother and us children. The place was wherever mother happened to be at the moment, the kitchen, the living room, sometimes on the porch. But we all knelt while mother prayed a blessing on each one of us and thanked the Lord for providing for us. Often all of our names were spoken and some special blessing given. If a neighborhood child dropped by to walk to school with us, they were included in the circle of prayer. When the prayer was finished, there came a kiss for each. Off we went. Those were five important minutes for each of us. You know, I want to encourage you. It's not hard. Go to a Christian bookstore, buy a daily devotional book, and read one page a day to your kids. It's easy. And then pray for them. Next lesson I get from the life of David. Give your grief to God. The book of Psalms, a lot of it, are David's written down prayers. And if you read the book of Psalms, he's always giving his grief and his sorrow to the Lord. I want to encourage you to do this. Next time you get down, take out the book of Psalms and out loud just read one of David's Psalms. It's very therapeutic. Here was an old man, and he said, You know my favorite verse of the Bible? And it came to pass. And he said, when I get down, I open my Bible, I read, and eventually, it says it so many times, eventually I'll get a verse that says, and it came to pass. And that reminds me that no matter what I'm going through, the Lord and his providence, one of these days, it is going to come to pass. <laughs> Next lesson that we learn from King David. You reap what you sow. David committed murder and adultery. What do his boys end up doing? They commit murder and adultery. In fact, David's son Absalom took his father's wives on top of the palace in a tent, had sex with David's wives to show all of Israel now that he'd broken ranks with dad. That's how bad it got. Dad, you can pass your sins on to your children. I mean, I found my dad's pornography, he had boxes of it in the garage when I was eight years old. That messed me up. And, and I, I, was, I was at a garage sale recently, and here's a father with his little girl, and dad is using the most horrible language. Here's a, a dad that came home from work one day. Where's Junior? Well, he's upstairs, I'm punishing him. Why? Well, he was swearing. And the dad says, I'll teach him to swear, marched up the stairs and started yelling using awful language. And when dad came down the stairs, the wife looked at him and said, you're right, you taught him to swear. Dad, you will pass on good or bad to your children. Next thing I learned from King David, never stop praying. It's, it, here's how Psalm 3 starts out. A prayer of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. In other words, during that period where Absalom was warring against his father, David was still writing prayers. <laughs> so, you know, parents, never stop praying for your kids when they're in the midst of their rebellion. General Gordon, British general in the late 1800s, is, is fighting uh, for the overtaking of Khartoum. But during the midst of all those battles, he would put a white handkerchief in front of his tent door. And all the, the uh, 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 people that worked for him knew that's his prayer time. We don't bother Commander uh, 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 Gordon during those times. 
Parents, as you go through your battles with your kids or your marriage or whatever, always have that prayer time. Never stop praying because I have this hanging on my wall. The words of Alfred Lord Tennyson, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. So never stop praying. William Taylor tells the story of many years ago he was on a train and there was this little girl who was flitting from stranger to stranger, jumping on people's laps. And th th he said, I didn't even know whose mother she was, who her mother was. But then he said that the, the train shrieked and went through a dark tunnel, and he saw the little girl run for mom's lap. <laughs> and, and his point was, you know, Christians, you, you know, you can tell who Christians are from where they go when they get into trouble. Never stop praying. Last thing that I learned from King David's life for our life, a fond legacy nevertheless. In spite of all of his problems, listen to what 1 Kings 15 says of David when he dies. David did what was right in the sight of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that God commanded him all the days of his life except in the case of Uriah the Hittite and, and Bathsheba. So, you know, Dad, Mom, you will leave a legacy one way or another for your kids, good or bad. And Patrick Henry, American revolutionary, said this in his will. I have now disposed of all my property to my family. There is one more thing I wish I could give them, and that is the Christian religion. If they have that, and I had not given them one shilling, they would be rich. And if they have not this, though I give them all the world, they would be poor. He was trying to pass on Christ to his children. So, you know, what we learn from King David is even the godly have family problems. We learn that deal with family sin early. We learn that um, you should have devotions with your kids. Number four, give your grief to God. Read the book of Psalms. Number five, never stop praying. And number six, try to leave a good legacy to your kids. And I'm just going to close with this. Many years ago, uh, this was uh, written by Cortland Myers. Listen to these words. I am back there now on the banks of the Hudson River in that old farmhouse, in that old kitchen, around that great fireplace. Father, mother, 12 children, twice a day, the old family Bible and the wonderful prayer lifted to God. I am remembering that old house, that old center, that marvelous influence. Do not be surprised when I tell you that every one of those children was saved by the grace of God. Four of them became ministers of Christ. All of them taught Sunday school at one time or another. And they all found that inspiration and life at the family altar when Father opened up the Bible. So mom, dad, get some Christian devotional book. Sit down with your kids, your grandkids, pray with them, read to them, talk to them about the Lord. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. If you have a question that you'd like Pastor Brock to um, address, you can see at the end of the program our website, or you can send it to us via email, and we'd be glad to answer your question on a, another program. 
But as long as we're talking about David's dysfunctional family, I guess my first question for you today, Pastor Brock, is about Proverbs 22.6, mm-hmm. where it says, if you train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Doesn't that promise that our children will turn out right? Well, th- th- that's a hard question. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That doesn't mean that there might be wandering in between. Okay. And, and, but you know, I, and I, another way to answer that, the book of, of Proverbs gives us true general principles. Uh, that doesn't mean, there, like, I, what I learned in, in, in Bible school, and I think it makes sense, the general truthful principles are in the book of Proverbs. The book of Job is in the Bible to show that there are, there are exceptions to the general rule. I mean, Proverbs says, follow God and you won't suffer. Job followed God and he suffered. So Proverbs are the general principles, they're true, but it doesn't mean that there aren't some exceptions. Okay, well that's a good way to say it. What exactly is a generational curse? Well, you know, if sometimes somebody will be an alcoholic and you've discovered that four generations uh, before him were also alcoholic. And so, uh, can you inherit a generational curse? I don't know. I, I, the, the fathers do pass their sins down to their children. I mean, again, if I, it kills me that parents now are letting Jimmy and Susie have iPhones and computers with no filters so you can, they can access hardcore pornography like this. Jackie, what I found in my dad's garage was Playboy and Penthouse. You know what kids are finding now? It's, it's incredible. So I think um, you, it, general, it, pornography can be a generational curse. And so if, if you, just, I, I would urge parents to be as careful as you can with what you let your children have. Yeah, and the other thing is, is that they're also so much more into things in school that they have these tools. Yeah. I have granddaughters who can do more on a computer than I can mm-hmm. probably, mm-hmm. and I've been using a computer, but I haven't been born with it where I'm using right. it from day one practically. Yeah. And, and Jackie, my godson was at one of our Minneapolis high schools, and it came over the speaker at our public high school. Yes, Joe and Ed, a gay couple, are going to come and talk about their life uh, at 4 o'clock. So if you'd like to stay, come here. Our, our Jack, Jack, that would have been unheard of when I was a kid. And now, though, it's being promoted in some of our schools. Well, the schools have a problem, too, though, that with all the things that they're mandated by laws that they have to allow. Yeah, but I don't think that was. All right. <laughs> so. Can parents pass their sins down to their children? Could you explain that? Yeah, I mean, Jackie, let's say you've got a quick temper. What? My husband would agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) And if your little boy and little girl grow up seeing that, that kind of teaches them, well, here's what I do when I get angry. So you can, by influence, by example, pass your sins on to your kids. It it happens. Yeah. So so how do we break a Mm generational curse? Mm -hmm. You know, I think sometimes people have come to me for counseling and others, and you pray over them. And sometimes, Jackie, you bind Satan and the demons and cast them out. That, you know, some of this is demonic. And so you, you pray over, and then you get help. I mean, if somebody's got a problem with alcohol, you, you pray over them and everything, but then you get them into a good 
Christian support group, an AA group or something. And because uh, breaking generational curses, uh, it, God can do it like this, but sometimes it's a process. Okay, but how does one know whether it's a demonic thing or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and because we all have what's called the flesh, the evil human nature we got from Adam and Eve. So the question is, how do you know if the problem is five foot eight or eight foot five? Meaning, how do I know if it's just me and my sin or something bigger and more demonic? And I guess in the, in the New Testament, signs of demon possession was very strange behavior. Uh, you knowing who Jesus was when nobody else does. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So supernatural wisdom can be a sign. Uh, falling around, you know, the Father says the demon casts him into the fire. Just weird stuff. The, the demoniac that was running around naked, that Jesus had to cast the demons into the pigs, if you remember that story. So very strange behavior uh, can do it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, not everybody that has nicotine smokes as the demon of nicotine, like I heard once. And uh, a lot of this is the flesh, and we have to deal with the flesh. Okay. <laughs> you were talking about devotions with children. I guess, do you have any suggestions mm -hmm. on how to have devotions yeah. with yeah. children? I mean, parents can get, oh, no, I don't know how to do that. No, it's just easy. Go to a Christian bookstore. Say to the lady or man at the counter, do you have any daily devotional books for children? And she'll show you a number of them. And you just take that and you read the page to your kids, and then you pray for your kids, and have your kids pray. I mean, Jackie, Dad never prayed with us kids once. He went to church every Sunday. Dad was Catholic, he went to Catholic church every Sunday. Mom went to Lutheran church every Sunday. And Mom did do this, but honestly, Jackie, we didn't do this much growing up in our family. And I think if we would have had Christ much more central in our family, some of the problems we've had, we wouldn't have had. You know what, Tom? I have to share a story, too. I have that same book, only mine is green. And that book came from my grandparents. And, you know, I think that that's something that as I get older, that I realize the importance of a yeah. grandparent's faith mm -hmm. that builds a pattern. I mean, when I went to Grandpa and Grandma's house, we went to church every Sunday if yeah. I stayed yeah. there. Yeah. And it wasn't because... Yeah. I mean, that was expected. And you're right, the influence of grandparents. Jackie, in my household growing up as a boy, we all went to church every Sunday, but then we came home and pretty much never talked about it. But I had a godly Grandma Lowski, and I, I know that she prayed for us kids. And so don't underestimate the, the power of a grandparent. I don't, I don't know if I'd be a Christian today if it wasn't for Grandma Lowski praying, you know? And I take that book out even now, sometimes with my granddaughters will pull it out, and it's so easy to yeah. talk about a Bible sure. story with the great yeah. pictures. I love these in. pictures. I still love these yes, pictures. They have such great pictures. Yeah. When I found this at a garage sale, I remember that picture, and I remember that, and we're talking 50 years ago. You know? mm -hmm. so. Well, that gives us away on our age, Tom. I guess <laughs> we're careful about that yeah. one, huh? So what do the studies show about parents attending church and the effect that that has on children? You know what they've found out? If a mom attends church with her children but dad doesn't go, the, the number of children that keep going in adulthood goes way down. If both mom and dad attend church with the children, it goes way up. So dad, whether he knows it or not, has a huge influence on whether his son or daughter will keep going to church. That's what the studies show. Okay, so what do you say to the person whose husband 
doesn't want to go to church. Yeah. And yeah. what do you say to her? Then you do the best you can, Mom, of raising those kids for Christ. You step in. You have the prayer time with them. You read them the Bible stories. Uh, it's just tragic to me, though, Jackie, that the men are supposed to do that and so many don't. That's sad. Why is it that the moms and grandmas have to do this and Dad won't step in? And, and again, the studies show if Dad doesn't step in and isn't involved, often those kids never go to church again. Is part of that that the church isn't developing men? Or yes. Is there things yes. happening in the church that are making men fall away from their responsibility? Uh, yeah, if, yeah. And, and I think it's true more women go to church than men uh, because the church is not training men the way we should. Yeah. So what does the church have to do to turn that around? Um, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 says women should not be preachers over a church. It troubles me that we have denominations that now are putting women as the pastors preaching over the church. Well, that's, that's going to tell men the church is for women. You know, most of the Sunday school teachers are women to begin with. Now take the man out of the pulpit, put a woman in the pulpit. Little boys and men are going to think, well, this is for the women. And that keeps them away then? I think, I think it does, yeah. I mean, if, so, you know, the First Timothy chapter 2, men and women are equal, but we're different. And Paul says not to put a woman as the teacher and preacher over the whole church. And we've got denominations that are just ignoring that. And you know what? The denominations that are doing that, by and large, are shrinking. You know, though, I can remember one girl from my confirmation class that ended up going on to seminary and everything. I know who she is, Jackie. And I always remember her father saying, though, if she hadn't become a pastor, that church wouldn't have a minister, you know. I doubt that. I know, and, her, I know that dad. And he but, and I tangoed a little bit on some of this stuff. But, but yeah. you know, women are doing, taking that as a choice for their profession. Yeah, they are. And, and, and I would just say, read First Timothy chapter 2 and see if you think that's really what God is calling you to do. Because God never violates the written word of God. I mean, I talked to a woman, God told me to be a pastor. He did? Well, that's not what he says here, you know. Mm -hmm. So. Well, are you saying that we shouldn't attend a church that has a female minister? I wouldn't. I, I would, I, I'm not saying that they're not Christians. I'm not saying God can't use a woman preacher, but I'm saying it's against the, the written word of God. So, yeah, I, I'd, have, I'd have a problem uh, supporting a woman to be the preacher of a church. Pastor Brock, we've only got like 30 seconds left here, so I was wondering, can you give a little bit of an update about sure. what's happening with our program? You know, everybody, we're still on the air, and it's because of gifts of people like you. We're now expanding to Madison, Wisconsin, and Duluth, and we're all over the country with DirecTV and Dish Network. So thank you for your prayers. Keep praying. Go to pastorstudy.org. You can watch all of our TV shows for free there. If you get moved to, to help us financially, you can uh, contribute there or just look at the address in a minute on the screen and you can send support that way but thank you and god bless you we'll see you next time thank you for watching the pastor study you can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org we are on the air preaching the gospel of christ because of our generous support of you our viewers would you consider supporting our ministry you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the pastor study p.o box 41294 Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.